Hi, I'm Mike Bluey. It's all about me. When they talk, it's going to blow my ear out, I think. High maintenance. Yep. Here it starts. Hello. Whatever you're wearing, it smells right. good. Yeah, right. it smells right. like somebody who's rich. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'm trying to sell books. Get off me. Lay off me. I'm starving. Lay off me. I'm starving. He dropped the turd in the punch bowl. Pardon me, but that's what he did. It's yeah. there. It's floating. Yeah. Right. It's floating. Great. And and it's going to be visual. there. It's not going anywhere. Can you come up with something Sorry. better than that? Sorry. You've you've uh, made us look like not idiots, which is a difficult thing to do. I well, played in Tampa. And got a little hot and to call a swamp bass, right? You know, I I was a. You know what? I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Start me again. It's like, what is are we doing? Music? What the f am I doing? Yeah. Oh, here is the Super Bowl trophy. I can't get this machine to work today. Did you press the on button? Oh, good day, man. <laughs> when you drop it in, either floats or it sinks. It's uh, floating. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> We're going to try to float, not sink today. Yeah, it's please. PFT Live, PFT PM. I don't know what the show is anymore. We're live from 5 to We're 7. We're live here at the Super Bowl. 2 to 4 Pacific. I'm still having a hard time with the math. They re-air the show in the morning because we ain't getting up and doing a 4 a.m. show. Others can do it. That's fine by me. But, but, but we ain't doing it. I'm sure they got a lot of guests at 4 a.m. to do a random radio interview at 3 a.m. 3.15. I mean, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Hey, hey. It's it's my, my good friends in Charlotte, the right. FNZ. Shout out to <laughs> FNZ. And it's like, you know, I'm going to stay on East Coast time. Okay. Um, I was determined to stay on East right. Coast time. And when that alarm went off at 3.15 this morning, I said every word in the yeah. book, and I made a few up. Yeah, good. You deserve it. I, I'm glad you did. You look tired today. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um, uh, and, then, and then I said, well, I'll just go back to sleep. And, of course, I just laid there. Yeah, because you can And then I thought sleep. I had COVID. Uh, I took another COVID test. I am COVID-free because thank you. I had congestion. I had a headache. And it's like, you know, now I know the dilemma that, you know, maybe a player on a team would go through or a coach or something. We're like, you know, we got a big week right, here. We got right. shows. We got pregame show five right. hours on Sunday. I'm just going to act like I'm fine. Like I, I did the whole, you know, it's like I, I just need to take another test to make sure I'm fine. Right, if so I'm positive, good. then I need to stay away from people. I don't need to give it to anybody and uh, need to be in isolation. I was not looking forward to that, but I'm I'm negative for now. Okay, good, good. Stop trying to put the hex on you, me, yourself. I'm You're not, not going to get it. I'm You've not, been around not, seven people in three years, okay? You're not going to get it. Well, Relax. I know, but I've been around <laughs> 70 in three days. That's the problem here at the Super Bowl. we got plenty of great guests coming up today. We'll be joined live by Cam Jordan of the Saints momentarily. We've got plenty of guests that we spoke to earlier today, including day. 49ers. Receiver slash running back. He calls himself wide back Debo Samuel, but the plenty weapon. of other uh, interviews on tape. It's, it's been a fun day. It has been a fun despite day. Despite having to deal with you. Yeah, well, it's okay. You're stuck with me. As NBC said so, so you have no jurisdiction over this. But we did. We had a good day. And it's like busy day, but not like crazy old days Super Bowl busy where it was like every 10 minutes it was a new person. And you're like, holy cow. Wait, what am I going to ask him? Yeah, it was kind of like that for a while. It was for a little bit. It was for a little bit, but still not quite as intense. But we had like quality today. That's yeah. where I was really happy with what we did so far. Quality, not quantity. Uh, I'll take either one. But yeah. quality, quality is good, uh, especially because we typically have so little of it. And with that, let's get to... The man who has jurisdiction over the entire National Football League, Roger Goodell, his this press conference quality. today. Shereen Williams 
was present. There were roughly 100 reporters there. It was very hot. Shireen at one point said they were seeking out shelter in the shade, and then sprinklers came on, and they wow. got doused. So, the NFL turned uh, on the sprinklers on them and said, hey, get I your, get your I think butts somebody, out in the sun again. I think somebody may have turned on the sprinklers. <laughs> your questions won't be so tough if you're melting out in the sun. Here's Roger Goodell talking about the Washington Commander's investigation, the roundtable from last week. And let's set this up very briefly. Last week, there was a former employee named Tiffany Johnston who testified, not under oath, but still in public for everyone to hear, about an interaction she had had with Daniel Snyder, the owner of the team, some 13 years ago. And even though Daniel Snyder initially said that those claims are outright lies, earlier today, the Washington commanders tried to say that we've hired independent investigators to look into it. The league has said, no, 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 no. We're hiring the investigators to look into it, but those claims will be investigated. Here's Roger Goodell on the current state of the situation with the Washington commanders. But the roundtable uh, did bring forward another uh, uh, witness that uh, spoke about her experience with Washington. I think we treat that very seriously, um, and we need to look into that. We'll um, obviously do an investigation. We've said that uh, from day one that we will look into this and, and do an investigation. Um, we need to understand what really truly happened in those circumstances and treat that uh, in the best uh, and most serious way uh, we can to make sure we preserve the type of culture we want uh, in the NFL. Uh, I do not see any way that a, um, a team can do its own investigation of itself. Uh, that's something that uh, we would do. We would do it with an outside expert that would be able to help us um, come to the conclusion of what the facts were and what really truly happened so that we can make the right decision from there. So we'll, we'll treat that seriously and move forward. Now, Beth Wilkinson did the prior investigation of the Washington Commanders 10 months, and the NFL still refuses to share any of the information under the flimsy argument that because some of the former employees They're requested anonymity, we can't give any of the information regarding any of the people, even the ones who are on the record. Right. That's different here because Tiffany Johnston, she's public. Mm -hmm. So there's no basis if and when they do an investigation, and I think when is the more appropriate term, to say we can't share this information. Where it got weird today yeah. was this morning, as I mentioned earlier, the Washington commanders announced we've hired two firms who are going to investigate this and the public uh, or the findings will be made public and the nfl's attitude was that's news to us you're not running this investigation we're running the investigation as the commissioner said they can't investigate themselves so uh, already we're seeing signs and this is just more frankly all due respect and this is my opinion Daniel Snyder doing what Daniel Snyder wants to do and never submitting to what anyone else wants him to do. It's the problem that has been the common thread through every controversy over the past week. Oligarchs are going to do what oligarchs are going to do, and they are going to do what they want to do, and they're going to take aggressive positions like that, even when the NFL would respond by saying, sorry, sorry, that's not how it works. Yeah, I, well, like, I really woke up this morning seeing that headline, right, that the Washington commanders were going to hire, and I went, I was literally going, is the NFL that stupid? Are they that blind to the optics and how this looks in the current situation? And I, I was in shock. I really was. So 
you know, then you learn, okay, wait, uh, the NFL has stepped in and said, wait, wait, no, you're not going to do your own investigation on your own self so you can find your own outcome here. They're going to get involved. But it's the first time I've literally sat here and gone, you know what? Daniel Snyder's in trouble. Like, he's in trouble. I think it's like, it's real trouble yes. now. Yes, yes. And then, like, to me, this is where the NFL's got to look at this. And if, if these things that we're talking about, you know, kind of played out the way we're, we're talking right now, where he decided to go on his own rules here and, and do his own investigation. I mean, I got to think that was a moment for all the other owners, the Shield and Roger, like to go, uh, is, is Daniel Snyder crazy? Does he really think this looks right? Like, what is he doing? So this shows me a little bit that there's lack of conversation and a little bit of maybe lack of control of one of the owners. And there's not communication on best way to talk this out that makes sense for the NFL. And that is not a good look for the NFL and really not a good look for Daniel Snyder. It's, 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 it's the first time I've really gone, uh-oh, I think he might be in trouble. They've been protecting him, I right. firmly believe, to yeah. protect him themselves. The other owners don't want to find themselves in a similar situation where somebody makes an allegation that the owner may disagree with, something that happened years ago. And then it's like getting audited. Nobody wants to get audited on their taxes, even if their taxes are completely clean. These owners don't want someone showing up, parking in the facility, talking to everyone, because you never know what they're going to find. you got to worry about it. And then the next thing you know, if somebody says something and somebody believes that may not be true, then you got to sell your team. They don't want that standard to be applied to them. But I think this has gone so far with Daniel Snyder, and frankly, he got lucky with the Beth Wilkinson investigation. He got lucky that they didn't ask for a written report. Because if there was going to be a written report, yeah. I think the written report would have said, I think he, sh he should sell the team because of the allegations, because of the atmosphere, and because of his conduct in cooperating or not cooperating with the investigation, telling the truth or not telling the truth to the investigator. I think Beth Wilkinson, if asked to put an opinion in writing, would have been of the opinion that he needs to go. Now you've got this separate issue that breaks out apart from what already happened. And why not bring Beth Wilkinson back? You know, that, that, that was the reddest flag to me. Daniel Snyder hires two firms, neither of which... Or Beth Wilkinson. Right. Firm. She knows a little too much already. So she, already has reached, she already has reached a conclusion as to whether right. or not I'm a truth teller. Yeah. I think that's the truth to be told about why they didn't go back to her. And I think the league should go back to her. And the lawyers who represent more than 40 former Washington employees, including Tiffany Johnston, issued a statement saying this is a sham. This was the, the Washington side of it before the NFL got involved. But we'll bring back Beth Wilkinson. And Tiffany Johnston vowed not to cooperate with this new Washington commander's investigation. We'll see if she cooperates with the NFL's investigation. I would think she's going to. And the fact that, you know, she's already made some, you know, findings and things public ready, right? Like, why wouldn't she want to go well, the rest of the way Well, because you want to know here? exactly what it is. Yeah, you want to okay. know who's doing it. Right. You want to know who it is. Because one thing we learned last week, the original investigation conducted by Beth Wilkinson, the paperwork suggested that it wasn't about getting to the truth and holding people accountable. It was about managing potential litigation, defending against potential litigation, which is far different than getting to the truth. I think this time it's going to be about getting to the truth. And if they can convince Tiffany Johnston of that, 
she will cooperate. But one way to convince her of it is to go get Beth Wilkinson, who already has the base of knowledge, I, already has makes the expertise, no That's already knows go. the organization. Exactly. Let her finish the right. job. Has some has some prior relationships, or at least in a little bit of knowing of what's going on here and knows these people. Uh, that, to me, makes no sense. That, to me, just, again, leads you down the, the wormhole of it just seems fishy, and I think they're hiding something. So that, that, that's the first thing it makes, I think, everybody do that's kind of following this. And, then, you know, Mike, I just I can't get over it. I really can't. I know I said something to you a little bit before we came on the air. I just, as we sit here and talk about it again, it just, it, it just wham, smacks you in the face. I don't, I used to think so much in the NFL. I still do. The shield, how special, impeccable. Seems like they run their business so perfectly that nothing ever goes wrong. Now, of course, we've realized there's, you know, some issues there. But these last two weeks, I mean, the NFL can't get out of its own way right now. Well, I mean, they can. It's I, really I, been I, the last two decades, but it it has the past two weeks. Whoa! It's like reached the the the, the eleven on a scale of one to it ten. It really has. Every day, I just feel like, whoa, that's stupid. I can't believe the NFL did this. Whoa, that's stupid. I can't believe the NFL did that. I mean, it's one after another, and I just I'm I'm kind of shocked by it right now. And the point that I've made several times the past few weeks, sometimes in a very passionate way. I was a sucker as a kid for the NFL Films productions that mythologized the NFL with yeah. the slow motion ball rotating through That's the air. That's what I want to believe in. Voice. I know. And you, you grew up as, a, as, as somebody who idolized the game and idolized the players and idolized the coaches and the structure that's over top. Because people say, why do you hate the NFL? No, I love the NFL. I want the NFL to be the thing that I fell in love with as a kid. Right. I want to hold it to that standard. Why is it so hard to do the right thing? Why is it so hard to properly conduct investigations? Why is it so hard to be committed to the truth and not committed to protecting yourself, yeah. rallying the troops, circling the wagons, and covering your butt? And that's what it's about far too often. Far too and often. it's unfortunate. We're not the ones who are causing these problems. We're just the ones pointing them out. And we're not going to look the other way for the sake of... of uh, the greater the greater good, you know, shaking the pom-poms and pointing to the bright, shiny objects because uh, there's a better way to do it, and we're trying to push them to do it a better way. There's a better way to go about hiring coaches in the NFL. That's been another big topic over the course of the past eight days, the Brian Flores lawsuit, sparking comments from Roger Goodell earlier today in his annual pre-Super Bowl press conference regarding diversity in the National Football League. Here's the commissioner. Jim, listen, um, we we look at the same numbers and and uh, they're they're really part of the effort that again looking at how do we become more effective in our policies and procedures. Um, we work really hard. We believe in diversity. We believe in it as a value. We believe it's made it stronger. Uh, people have come into the league who are diverse have been very successful and made us better. Uh, and we just have to do a better job. Uh, we have to look. Is there another thing that we can do? to make sure we're attracting that best talent here and making our league inclusive. Um, if I had the answer right now, I would give it to you. I would have implemented it. Uh, I think what we have to do is just continue and find and look and step back and say, we're not doing a good enough job here. We need to find better solutions and better outcomes. And so let's make it, let's find more effective policies. Let's make sure everyone understands. Let's make sure that, um, we're looking at diversity and actually incentivizing that for everybody in our building, including with compensation. It's not an issue of attracting talent. That, I heard that, and it's like, well, wait a minute. The talent's there. 
The talent can't get the opportunities. This isn't, this isn't a situation where, wow, you know, we'd really like to hire some minority coaches. Where would we ever find them? They're there. They're there, and they can't get opportunities. That, that's kind of surprising to me. He needs to step back from that and recognize Brian Flores is there waiting to be hired. Other minority coaches and executives are there waiting to be hired. There's only so many seats. This isn't an issue of attracting talent. It's an issue of convincing the owners to be more diverse in their hiring practices, and, 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 and there's no secret about that. No, there, there's not. I, you know, I, I, I guess I thought he was trying to say more of like attracting, like we got to get those, some of those guys are talented. We got to attract them and get them out there. I, maybe I misunderstood it. Either way, like, I mean, yeah, the, the, what you said is real. I, I, again, where I just get into this is what are we going to do? What, uh, what is the tangible thing we can grab onto here to fix this solution? Because I'm at the point right now where I think I'm close to going, you know what? Like, I don't know. Is the Rooney rule really good? I, I don't know. I question that right now. It's the first week where I've gone. He didn't rule out getting sure. rid of it. He I didn't rule out getting rid well, of it. Well, because people are being like, one, it's great. Yes, because it's getting people in the door and hopefully getting GMs and owners comfortable with you know, maybe candidates that they weren't going to call or were outside, you know, the realm of their normal connections. I love that. But also what we're seeing is people being used and disrespected over it, too. And I don't think that's necessarily the best look, too, especially when you start to find out and piece things together where you realize, oh, wait, the team did have their mind made up on a guy, but yet they're going to waste, you know, three or four African-American coaches, you know, time and not really have a real interview or bring them in just to kind of appeal to the rule itself. It is very disrespectful, in my opinion, too. So I, I am a little bit on the fence there, and I can understand them maybe getting rid of the Rooney rule and trying to, you know, reorchestrate something else here. I also think that you don't necessarily need the Rooney rule to mandate a certain number of interviews of minority candidates because the media will police it now. The yeah, courts you're right. can police That's it now. true. And it's out there. And if you're not being inclusive, if you're not conducting a diverse search, you're going to hear about it with the questions you get, with the scrutiny you get. So um, if, if it's only making the situation worse, if it's only making the owners more resentful, feeling like they're being pushed in a certain direction, it gets back to that very simple notion of they don't want to be told what to do. No. There's, there's human nature that takes over. Rich, powerful people want to do what they want to do, and they don't want to be told what to do by anyone. And there's too much of that subtle sense that they're expected. You're expected to hire a minority coach. Well, no, just go do the right thing and trust people to do the right thing, and hopefully they'll do the right thing. But, you know, as we've said multiple times this week, you need to have more black ownership in the NFL. And, and, and the, the thing that's never going to happen, convert the structure to corporations. Have a board of director made up of diverse members of the community the team represents. Have layers and levels of committees and governance and CEOs who are accountable. It's the other thing, too. There's no accountability. I mean, there's a real possibility that Dan Snyder at some point is going to be forced to sell. There's a possibility that Stephen Ross, depending upon Brian Flores' allegations about offering $100,000 to lose games on purpose, could be forced to sell. That's the nuclear option. There's no other way to affect change. Isn't that weird? It's all or nothing. Like, we're just going to tolerate a bad owner until it gets so bad that we say, get the hell out of here and never come back. There's got to be some other way to to have accountability short of I know. forcing the owner to sell. I, I, I don't know what that is. I don't. But, yeah, it's hard. Uh, that's, a, that's a tough one. I don't have the answers to that one. Again, it's, it's, these are expensive franchises. We know that. It's a very elite group of people in the world that can afford to buy them. 
you know, within that too. They've been successful in other businesses most of the time, and they've done things their way. So now they own a football team, and they want to do their things their way again, let alone like you're talking about. They're rich and powerful and have billions of dollars at this point, so they really believe in their way. And that's where it is wrong. And I, I, again, I don't have the answers here. I really don't. I do you know, agree with a lot of what you said. I think there has to continue to be an emphasis on more African-Americans, not only in the coaching, but the other one I would just always look at is front offices. Maybe just and not that it has to be the GM every time, but I think that has to be continued to be infused into that that little department of the NFL world uh, to get again African Americans in that part of the world, a part of the corporate management, people around them comfortable. Let them be able to work their connections with the NFL, so that when it does come time for them to be a GM, they have some people that can back them up to go, "Hey, no, I know this guy. He's a great guy. He knows what he's doing. He did some good work for us." And I think that's a part of the problem here, too, at times, is there a lack of support system for some of these guys and connections that way. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a little dumbfounded about what the NFL should do or how to approach this. When Brian Flores filed his lawsuit eight days ago alleging racial bias in the hiring of coaches and alleging that Stephen Ross had offered him $100,000 for each loss in 2019, the NFL said claims are without merit. Without merit. Without merit. Well, Until they, that person said, I witnessed it. Yeah, and yeah. now there's some merit. Here's right. Roger Goodell talking about the allegation that Stephen Ross offered Brian Flores $100,000 for each game that he lost in 2019. Well, a couple things. First, um, Sal, let me step back and say I found um, all of the allegations, whether they were uh, based on racism or discrimination uh, or the integrity of our game, all of those, um, to me, were very disturbing. Um, they are... Uh, very serious matters to us on all levels, and we need to make sure we get to the bottom of all of them. Um, integrity of the game is obviously an important element, uh, just as making sure we have the right uh, uh, culture in our organizations across the league and at clubs. Um, but we are going to look into that, and we will make sure that um, either our, if there were violations, that they won't be tolerated. I couldn't speculate on what they'll be. Uh, because we'll have to find out what the facts are. What, what, what's the outcome? And when we know what those facts are and the impact it has on our game, we'll deal with it very seriously, just as we will if there is any discrimination in the league. They will be deal, dealt with very seriously. They need to be careful about what they may want to disclose publicly as it relates to Stephen Ross, because if he made that offer, if they decide that he made that offer, they are giving a prosecutor basically the blueprint to indict Stephen Ross under the Sports Bribery Act, a very broad federal law that criminalizes offering someone money to throw a sporting event. It's black and white. It's as plain as can be, and it's up to five years in prison. Not that Stephen Ross, who's on the wrong side of 80, is going to go to prison, but you don't want your last public act to be a perp walk yeah, and right. a courtroom and a plea bargain and whatever, but... The, it's amazing to me that it hasn't happened yet because that's the ultimate leverage that the government can exercise over an owner or a sports league that has gone out of control. Prosecution, not legislation, not regulation, but prosecution. And that's been hiding in plain sight for years, and all it takes is one ambitious prosecutor with jurisdiction to do something about it. And prosecutors only like to take on cases that they know they're going to win. If the NFO comes to the conclusion that Ross did it, and there's already a witness that corroborates Ross, that corroborates Flores, excuse me. It's 
I, I won't be surprised if if uh, that happens and if things go sideways very quickly for Stephen Ross. Uh, I mean, it's owner number two of segment one here on our Wednesday show where I'm going, it's a group of people that I thought are untouchable, and it's the second owner in this segment where I go, I actually think this guy's in trouble. Like, he's in trouble. You know, Snyder looks like a renegade that, they wash, that the NFL can't contain right now, you know, with what happened and what we saw earlier today. And now you're talking about truly the integrity of the game. I mean, it just it doesn't get any more. And then, you know, Mike, to your point, which you, you beat down all the time, I mean, gambling's legal. This is real. Like, this is real. It's, it is a real law-abiding issue here. I, I mean, so that's where I just look at it and go, wow. And, yeah, the NFL is going to have to look, at, look into this a little bit. Because, again, the NFL, it is big business. You know, there's big rewards. And these guys want to win. They want their teams to do good. And within that, sometimes, yeah, they're going to be tempted to lose to try to make their team better. And the NFL's got to figure out something to go, wait, if we hear this or whatever, I don't know what that penalty is. Oh, we heard you're tanking. Oh, we have a little evidence that you might be tanking. You lose 10 draft spots, right? You drop down. So automatically now you're not the number one pick. You're the number 11 pick. They might have to do something like that to to get this out of the game. One last point. Yeah. I'm surprised a class action hasn't been filed Mm -hmm. yet on behalf of all of the people who bet on the Dolphins to win on a money line or cover a spread in 2019, not seeking to win the bet. Just give me my money back. Yeah, right. It was a corrupt bet. Right. This team wasn't trying to win. Right. I want my money back. I I thought it would be followed by the end of last week. Yeah. I'm just not sure. Would they be able to argue, though, but like, what? Flores didn't – he didn't listen. He won. Well, but they went 0-7 that year. I know. I think he went along with it for a while. For a little while. And then decided, I can't do this, at least through the first four weeks of the season. I think they were tanking, maybe a little bit beyond that. All right. Let's take a break. We'll be joined by Saints defensive end Cam Jordan. 9-4. He's coming right now. He's about to hit you from behind. Turn around. Whatever. Head on a swivel. We'll be right back. Here we are, NFL Experience, Los Angeles. Joining us now, one of the nominees for the Walter Payton Man of the Year presented by Nationwide. He is first-round pick in 2011 of the New Orleans Saints. Was it 2011? 2011. My God, you've been playing I mean, come on, it was the time. greatest they draft class wow. of all time. I mean, <laughs> wow. You know, and 2011 I, was the greatest draft class of all time because yeah. he was in it. Yeah, hey, I mean, well, I mean, right. there was the number one overall pick, Cam Newton. Then right. there was a Von Miller, right. Marcel Darius, Alden Smith. That's pretty AJ good. AJ Green. You're right. Pat P. That's pretty Ryan strong. Ryan Kerrigan. Okay. Cam Hayward. AJ Watt. Right. Robert Quinn. Right. Those them all. You know, I like it. I'm just simply saying, and that's just like the top 15, top 12, top 15. Blaine okay. Gabbert. You know, I'll say, yeah, absolutely. One, uh, Christian Ponder. Ooh, I see what you're doing there. <laughs> you're trying, you're trying, you're trying, I see you're trying to bring me down here. No, no. I was naming Pro Bowlers, and there's, there's out of the 32, there's what, like 20? Two of us? Yeah, that's pretty short I, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm just saying. Yeah, you know? that, that's I, I got to go Jones. back and look at that. Damn, yeah. Julio's just, in that too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Strong. Yeah, we got right. at least I, a couple uh, right, Hall of Famers. I'll give you respect there. Yeah, no for doubt. Sure. I know it means a lot to you have the C on the jersey, but wouldn't it be great to have? Isn't that awesome? The Walter Payton Man of the Year, the the, the little brown, the brown, uh, the guy with the big jacket, the, 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 the big, yeah. big cape. The, the logo. It's nice. That's it's awesome. nice. They like put it on there like as you're the team's nominee, right? And then you like look at it, you're like, all right, well, Walter Payton Man of the Year, sponsored by Nationwide. Go hand in hand. 
because you've get that this nod of this this nod of what you've been doing in the community nationwide sort of gets behind you and you just think about how much nationwide has given up since they've sort of you know partnered up with WPMOY right. uh, they've what they put over a million and a half uh, like one and a half million dollars into the nominees over of, since the beginning I mean I don't know about you, but I like numbers, and I mean that's that's a huge number. That's more positive effects that can happen in each in each respective WPMOI nominees uh, cities. I mean that's that's huge to begin with. You bet. You got to hum the nationwide thing yet or anything? Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel like they're on my side. Yeah, I mean, they are, yeah. I, honestly, you know, with the work that we do with Crescent City Corps. Yeah, tell us everything you do. Go uh, ahead. The work that we do with Crescent City Corps. Yeah. The work that that we were able to do. Uh, helping New Orleans and the great area of New Orleans once Hurricane Ida hit and we were displaced to Dallas. You know, we're, we were able to go ahead and, and give back to our community, give the waters, give the tarps, give everything uh, that we could. Um, and because of that, I guess the team put me up for WPMOY. That being said, it's not it's a phenomenal nod, it's phenomenal uh, acknowledgement of the work being done, but it doesn't deter or enhance the work that's being done. There's always work to be done. So if anything, that puts a spotlight on uh, our plights in the community, especially with, you know, me being able to team up with my foundation, God is love with Crescent City Corps, uh, being a third party, uh, I'd say additive training to uh, the New Orleans Police Department and everything that we were able to do and accomplish there, adding on leadership training, adding on uh, community involvement. I mean, just witnessing hearts change, minds sort of alter and how they want to police the community. That right there is, is what it's all about. You guys had... A very different kind of a year, and it's amazing to think with all the huh. adversity. <laughs> different kind of. Well, it was different, wasn't it? I mean, but you did. I, I it forget was about it was challenging. The, the challenging. You guys were. You guys almost made it to the playoffs. Like, oh, yeah. You guys yeah. were on the road for the first month of the season, and it's amazing how well the team played through all that adversity with injuries and displacement, and 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 and, and I, I I I remember vividly what you did to Tampa Bay on that Sunday night, nine to nothing. The defense was awesome. I mean, you guys would have been dangerous if you'd gotten into the playoffs, and you almost got there. No doubt. I mean, we, we had our starting kicker, you know, Will Lutz, he was out for the for the year. Right. I mean, we we end up losing to the Falcons the first time by, what, a field goal. Yeah. L- somehow let the Giants come back. That was crazy. <laughs> crazy. And you just look at the score like, what? Well, how did they tear you? Like, what the hell No doubt. That day? But we, we, come yeah. out, we come out against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in, in Florida they after dominate. being displaced and, and – Go to work. Whoop that ass. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, your words, not mine. Yeah. I just simply say on any given Sunday, this can always be any given Sunday. But our team and and our de- our determining factors, our demeanor, if you will, were overcome any and all adversity. Overcome, overcome, overcome. And that is overcome half the coaching staff having COVID for two weeks. At least while I was playing, we had 58 starters Winston over the year. Jameis, Taysom, Trevor. Kamara missed some time. No doubt. I Damn. mean, you know, our starting tackles, both both Teron and Ryan Ramchek, then Andrews Pete. At a time, we had uh, the only 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 lineman we had that was a starter at one point was uh, Cesar Ruiz because <laughs> my, my center was out. Eric McCoy was out. I was over there looking. I said, this team has overcome so much. And we even went on like a five or six game losing streak. I was like, but nobody panicked. Yeah. I, the, the integrity of our locker room, the integrity of our, our, our veteran leaders, that's what really pushes you through. Well, like Sean Payton, everybody always looks at him like offensive genius, 5,000 yards passing. I've always loved watching you guys on film and stuff because I'm always amazed at your physicality for that so-called passing team. Like what is it about him that 
made you guys tough or the attitude of the building. Maybe it's not him, but you guys always got a chip on your shoulder and you're always physical. It's the additive focus on the minutia of the game, right? Yes. It's focusing on every fi- like finite detail. It's, yeah. it's wide receiver split should be here. You'll see Sean walk over. I need you. Mm. Yeah. You're like, what is mm? Yeah. But mm, gets you open. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, luckily he's an offensive mind, the coach, so I, I always get to watch him work with his offense. Like, he only comes to defense if he needs yeah. something. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, right. if he, he comes down to us, he's like, ah, it's time to turn up. Yeah. Whatever we're doing ain't enough. Let's go higher. Yeah. You know, and but that sets the tone, too. And I think um, with him stepping down this year, we, we made a great decision in, you know, hiring Dennis Allen. You right. talk about – one, he's learned from Sean two separate times. You know, uh, this is the second stint with the Saints after being a head coach for the Raiders, which I still will not hold against him. Um, <laughs> you know, but for him to come back and, for, and sort of take over the defense, be the D.C. for the last, what is it, five or six seasons, yeah. has been great for us. It gives us a, a model consistency. It gives us uh, a little bit of that edge. And as he is now the head coach, uh, we know exactly what we're getting. We're getting a guy that we trust. We're getting a guy that has earned respect in the locker room. It's not It's not going to be a change of the guards. It's Dennis. It's D.A. Right. It's not Dennis. It's, <laughs> it's D.A. Yeah. When did you have any inkling that Sean Payton was going to walk? When he decided to retire and didn't answer my text message for <laughs> like 24 hours. <laughs> and I was getting bombarded. And I said, what? I said wait, I'm getting bombarded. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you know, the, the amount of commitment it takes to be a head coach, the time that you put in, especially over 16 years, um, being a part of the New Orleans Saints, being a part of the city of New Orleans, I'm sure it was taxing. So, I mean, I, all I can do is wish him well. And, you know, selfishly, there's probably, like, going to be some residual feelings of, like, I can't believe he left now. We're, we've been knocking on playoffs for the last five years. We've been knocking towards the Super Bowl run. I think we're poised to do so even this year, even not knowing who our quarterback is going to be, not knowing who our head coach is going to be now. I think our defense has become sort of a, the rock-solid, reliable part that we can, we can win a championship with. Um, I, do, I do know, you know, AK is healthy. Mike Thomas comes back healthy. Right. Will Letts comes back healthy. Yeah. Ryan Ramchek comes back healthy. There's a lot of when we are full strength, I think we're untouchable. You probably wonder who's going to be your quarterback, though, huh? When we're at full strength. Jameis? I know. Jameis? I, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm I don't know how to say it. Yeah, I mean, Jam- I don't know. Jameis, Taysom, I'm down with either one. Jameis, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, <laughs> Lamar Jackson. I'm down with I'm whoever <laughs> wants to, like, to yeah, whoever there. wants to be healthy and, and help, help get us to a Super Bowl. <laughs> I think that's just – I have to leave that open because I say Jameis, but Jameis could also sign somewhere else. I say, you know, well, Taysom, but Taysom had, I think he had a little, little, little surgery. Yeah, a yeah, little surgery. Like I've asked a few, Mike's heard me ask this a few defense alignment or just some defensive guys, like like a little bit about the new age quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you got in the league. Mostly. I mean, which one? There's there's, a, there's the Mac Jones new age well, quarterback yeah, no, or like the Zach Wilson new age quarterback? They're old school. Which, that Mac Jones is like old school. But like when you came in the league, the most of the league was kind of pocket passer. Is, like, that, is that true? I don't know. Cam Newton. Cam in Europe, he was just in your league. He was the one guy. He was rare. Uh, okay. But okay. now I'm just saying like you got Mahomes and mm-hmm. Josh Allen mm-hmm. and Lamar. We had Alex Smith. And <laughs> Alex, Alex Smith <laughs> ran like a 4-5. Like, <laughs> he could. Man. He could. Colin yeah. Kaepernick. Right, right. So you had some there. Right. Absolutely. But it just seems like now there's like one on every other team right like it just like i'll just, say jake locker's first year jake locker so see the, see the <laughs> names you're pulling out that's here, what right? i'm saying but like what, what is Kassi it like facing them. those guys or like just the the challenges they they're present. only getting faster right or, or they're getting more like it you would say what, what is the word for this wily if, is that is that the word like pat mahomes isn't super fast but at the same time he'll make all the throws and, and he'll like it, shakes I, right. that's why i threw wily out there i don't yeah, know exactly what it right. means but it sort of fits the description there <laughs> allen was like that on, th- on thanksgiving night right? josh allen is yeah he's a physical specimen right yeah, 
Right. Um, he's a, he's physical. He's like he's like the new version of Andrew Luck, who which, right. which we played. Yeah, right. You're right. That's um, tell. You're right. So you know you see him in different modes. Like you right. see you see them come through. The only one I can't predict is is uh, Lamar Jackson. Because he's faster than fast. He's yeah. like he's like the old like uh, the old say was he's like he makes fast people look not so fast. Yeah, you know like yeah, him and he does. And I'm like I'm like yo the way that he takes out of the backfield and still able to sling this ball 65 in the air right. for a guy like Hollywood Brown to go get it is impressive. Yeah, yeah. So you've been doing 11 years now. Do you have a rough idea of of when the ending date is? How you I, obviously you want to win a Super Bowl at some point. Yeah. Some, do, you, do you have an idea probably, of how much longer you're gonna do it? Probably sometime in the 21st century. Yeah, that's, that yeah, narrows yeah. it down. Yeah, I, I fully, I fully committed to it. I was like, I won't be playing in the twenty second century. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the right attitude. Very realistic, <laughs> literal. I like it. Um, you, you, you talked about how close the defense is, and I think it is a good thing that you have continuity. They had different candidates they talked to, but I think it just makes sense. Dennis Allen showed what he can do. He's been there. It, it, to the extent that you guys are at a certain level, yeah, you're going to miss Sean Payton, but you got somebody who's been there and seen what he can do. It does give you a chance to not have a dip. You can maybe plateau and and try to and try to climb from there, right? Absolutely. I mean, we're not here to plateau anywhere. We're, we're definitely on the the, set, the latter half of that. We're trying to climb. Um, we're trying to reach our pinnacle. And I think we showed it a few times this last year how special our defense could be. I mean, again, you hold the Green Bay Packers to what was it three points? Three. You hold. Heroes I'll say, Tampa. No doubt. You hold uh, Leonard, Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown, and Mike uh, Mike Evans, uh, Chris Godwin to zero points. Yeah. I mean. And that's and that's excluding the. But most, then lost this damn game. And then, I'll I don't say know how you lost that. Well, one. that one I think we won. Oh, that, that was the one you won. That, that no, no, that's 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 at that, that, that home. Yeah, we lost yeah. that one. That's that's what I'm saying. Cr- craziness. <laughs> then you lose against the Giants. You're like, we are mortal. Right. We are mortal. Any given Sunday. And I mean, it's just, but it is that confidence effect that you get that says, hey, if when we play our top ball, we can be the best of the best. So, Super Bowl, fifty-seven. Uh, you, Black and gold. I don't do care. I don't, I don't, yeah, no, absolutely. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. But like, I've got an HC. Do you find yourself not like uh, rooting for the Rams because you got you know screwed over by the them? only the only thing I'm rooting for right now is is uh, knowing that we have 32 phenomenal nominees for the WPMOY, oh, and knowing you, that company. Nationwide has definitely uh, set the tone and donating back to communities and thinking and backing not only the players but the communities that they're serving. Nationwide is on your side. Oh, Will you watch the game? Mm-hmm. Will you watch the game? What game? This is a game? <laughs> no, of course I am. I mean, I've got I've got great teammates. I've got guys who I I look forward to watch. I mean, you think about what Trey Henderson has done this yeah, last two guy. years. That's love right. love guy. love my guy. Right. Um. He's uh, at draft class 2011. Von Miller over at the Rams can't help but watch. You know the leading active uh, the active leading sack. Is that how that happens? Yeah. He's got 113. Exactly. I think he's still around there. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 113, 114 sacks. I mean, I've got 107. I think I'm third. Yeah. I think Chandler Jones edged me out this year with 107 and a half. Oh, he went on fire there for Man, a bit. Man, what? Yeah. He start, He came out the gates with yeah, five sacks. five, right. And I said, yeah. whoo. Yeah. I said, that's, that's a threshold. But, I mean, just looking at the D-line of the two, that's, I'm not going to lie to you, I'm biased. You'll you see the, you know, the go routes. You'll see the ends, the sevens, all of it. And I'll be like, but did you see that stunt, though, on the D-line? I mean, can you you have Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, and Bob Miller. Right. And then on the side uh, on Cincinnati side, you got Sam Hubbard, DJ Reader. Yeah. You know Larry when he was healthy was right. great. And then you could talk Trey Hinn. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hinn. Yeah. Sam Hubbard and, and right. Trey Hinn. I mean, right. that's exciting football for me. That's yeah. that's great. Um, so if you say like what it comes down to, I'm just gonna root for my guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely watching because I. I, I I can't stop watching defensive linemen. I don't know what it is. A lot of I'm a defensive lineman. Line. I'm biased. I love I love us. You're like, what What about the offensive line? 
Who cares? Exactly. Who has yeah. ever cared? Who cares? But it, who you know has what? Ever to cared? your point, this is maybe more than any Super Bowl in recent history where we go. We've been talking about O line of the Bengals versus the D line of the Rams a lot more. I mean, we've talked. But about Joe Burrow's young enough. He we got popped what like nine times versus the, he versus the Niners. He, he doesn't even. He bounces. He bounced right back up. Downfield. Joe. He earned Joe Cool. I don't and know. I don't week, know if that was his nickname later, beforehand, but he earned it. All right. He Running away it. from Chris Jones a week later to get yeah. that first down. Yeah. That's why I said there's a knee injury. What knee injury for Joe yeah, Burrow? He, he's been it's phenomenal. Damn good. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, Cam, we wish you all the best with the Walter Payton. Man of the Year Award. We hope you win it. That's right. Do and good, good luck in 2022. <laughs> and congratulations on all your success. Great to see you as always. And we hope to talk to you again real soon. I much appreciate it. Thanks, guys, for having me He's on. The man. He's the man. In my new book, Playmakers, which comes out on March 15, there's some reporting about the Deflategate scandal. And among other things, we reported that back in 2015 when the NFL conducted spot checks of the air pressure of footballs at halftime, once those numbers were compiled by the NFL, they were deleted at the behest of general counsel Jeff Pash. Here's Commissioner Roger Goodell earlier today being asked about that report. Um, remarkably, for the eighth straight year, I have a question about Deflategate to ask you. <laughs> um, there was a report from Mike Florio last week that uh, the NFL expunged the data from uh, the PSI spot check data from the 2015 season after Deflategate. Uh, one, do you have any comment on that? And two, don't you think that the fans, the Patriots, Tom Brady, maybe deserve to see the results of those spot checks? Uh, ben, this is a long time since I've, I've thought about the flaky, other than maybe your last question last year. I don't know. But um, uh, we, would, we were very clear that we were going to do spot checks to make sure that people were following the, the policies. Um, that is something that we f fully uh, engaged in. And, and I don't know what happened to the data, to be honest with you. We don't look back at that. We just make sure there's no violations. That's the purpose of the spot checks. Are there violations? And if there are violations, we need to look into it. But uh, thankfully, we did not see any. Um, interesting answer yeah. from Roger Goodell. Not a denial of the report. No statement that the report was without merit. Uh, just basically haven't thought about it in a long time, and we just wanted to make sure that there were no violations. And I don't know what happened to the numbers. I mean, look, here's the bottom line. If the numbers that the NFL had collected randomly throughout the 2015 season on warm days, on cold days, on normal days, if that data of what the pressure was in the footballs in comparison to what it was before the games, the halftime data, if it corroborated the conclusion that was reached about the Patriots, we would know about it. The fact that we don't know about it, the fact that it's gone forever, the fact that we're never going to see it again, the fact that it was expunged at the behest of NFL General Counsel Jeff Pash means if we had seen it, we would have compared it to the numbers that were harvested from the Patriots footballs at halftime of the 2014 AFC Championship, and we'd say, hmm, hmm, looks like, looks like they didn't have the smoking gun that they thought they had. Yeah, I, I get you. I mean, listen, this, this is a sensitive subject. Um, I think where... So I can understand the NFL expunging it to a degree is everyone's going to take what they want from it. I think that would be the thing I would look at because they'd go, well, look, this game is down this low. Hang on a second. They can't hear Chris. Your mic's out. And here comes your mic. His microphone is coming. Um, I don't know. Chris was saying some of the best things he's ever said in the four and a half years that we've been doing this. I mean, it was Emmy-worthy stuff, and it's lost forever into the ether. But uh, we'll go ahead and let him have a crack at it. Do you hear now. me now? Is I hear everybody now. hearing me? Go ahead. Okay, I can't hear myself yet. That's it. But what I was saying was, well, I can understand a little bit of the NFL like expunging some of the data because I feel like people would also take what they want from it, and it wouldn't always just be apples to apples type of situation. And they would look at it and go, "Well, look, look, see, you know, I'm, I'm right, I'm that." So they 
probably didn't want that part of it out. I get it. The NFL, did they handle that situation correctly? No. There certainly could have been better. But for one second, do I think Tom Brady didn't take the air to the footballs? Absolutely not. I don't care. I know. I got my sources, too. I mean, damn. The Crafts have already talked about what like they allegedly one of the things they did was talk to Donald Trump, and his first thing was misinformed. We've lost I'm Chris lost again, again on the microphone. See, when, when he, now, now you're back. Go ahead. I'm back. Yes. Damn, back. Well, I give up. I when you were know. talking about okay. Donald Trump and misinformed, the microphone cut out. Off. I have no idea how that would have happened. <laughs> but, yeah, I just, again, there's, I think, things that are not known. There's plenty of evidence to suggest that he is guilty in this situation. Plenty. The damn old the deflator. Guy, the text I, messages between right. McNally and Yastrzemski, and they, they refer to one of them as the deflator. I right. Mean, I, I know. I, so there's, I, there's a lot of fishy stuff. I, I think what happened was. I think yes, what happened was. I know, and I know, and then maybe you're right about this. There's fishy information. Yeah. Fishy, there, there's something fish, fishy information. There's something yeah. fishy about what happened. Right. They just failed to catch them in the act. Yeah, I got you. It was a Keystone Cops type of a situation. Right. It was clumsy. It was ineffective. Right. You, Troy Vincent admitted at the time he didn't know what the ideal gas law is. That is the basic fundamental formula that that tells us when the temperature drops, the air pressure inside of that bladder, inside of the football, drops as well. So that's a very basic thing, and we all learned about it. We all learned about it. And and I think that those numbers would have shown. Because I remember when I saw the numbers and factored in all of the other pieces of the formula, including the temperature, it's like these numbers should be lower. They should be 11 of 12 footballs, two pounds underinflated, like was – was leaked incorrectly to Chris Mortensen to really take, you know, that report took something that was kind of like a curiosity and turned it into a major controversy. Sure. So there was something going on. They just failed to prove it. And shame on them. I think they had a lot of information going into it. Maybe they already knew they were going to try to do it. I don't know what it is either way. I know it was 51 degrees at kickoff. Balls don't just absolutely just did, like deteriorate in 51 degrees. Right. And again, with this, I don't even know some of the real numbers anymore with the deflate gate numbers. It's all over the place. I've heard I've, there's seven different places you can look online right now, and they'll tell you the reporting of the numbers. So what are the real numbers? Well, the, the, real, but the thing is, so the real numbers have been out there. The real yeah. numbers have been scrutinized. The problem with the real numbers is yeah, how reliable are they? Because I remember there was a fundamental question as to whether or not, you know, there were two different needles. Yeah, that's which, there's so many things. Bottom line is this. Bottom yeah, line is this. Right. If those numbers from 2015 helped the NFL, we would have seen them. The fact that sure, they're gone forever, the fact that it's nothing to see here, pay no attention to the man behind the right. curtain, we're not looking backward. I hear you. That's that, real. That doesn't look good on them. It doesn't look good at all. It, it also doesn't look that Brady couldn't really deny it and that we still haven't seen the ball boys Are you on a the cheater? planet Earth. I don't think I, I don't am, no. I think I am. I don't think I am. I don't look at myself like a cheater. Well, we do. So okay. I, that's where I get into that. Okay, I he do. Does. All right. Send and there's, all there's hate a lot mail of other people in my Sims. camp, too. All New England fans, bring it here, okay? Uh, but, yes, you go. that's going to be interesting either way. And it is. It's still a big topic. Enough talk it. on it. Because you know it. what we get to do right. next? What? We get to talk to one of the best players in the entire National Football League. Debo. Debo Samuel. Here he comes. Do not get in his way. He will hit you. He, he will, will hurt you. He will take the air out of the football. He joins us next <laughs> on PFT Live. Welcome back, and look who we have here. All-Pro 
running back slash wide receiver. Wide back is what he's called himself. Yes, we'll so. call him whatever he wants to call himself because he is the man, Debo Samuel. It is so great to meet you and so great to have you here. How you doing? I'm good. How you doing? Excellent. Excellent. Weapon. Weapon X right here. Give him the ball and get out of the way. No, like, seriously, kind of tell us the backdrop. You know I'm friends with your coach, right? Did you know that? No, I knew it when I walked out. Oh, you didn't know? You didn't know. You didn't know know. we went to college together, right? Ask him about his tattoo. Yeah, I played football. Ask him about his tattoo. This is the young guy. Kyle's tattoo? Yeah. Both, both. Yeah. Well, they have each other's initials, initials tattooed right? on their legs. Yeah, right. He's like, what? I'm not the first guy I'm in the NFL to have, have another the, guy's face or initials on his on his body. Ask him about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sam, he didn't. He didn't even know I'm friends with him. He didn't even know I played football. He's like, oh, you played football? How um, was he a wide, as a wideout? Uh, he was white and slow, right? Oh. No, yeah, he's pretty good. He, <laughs> he could really run some routes. He really could. But I do want to ask you about how it manifested itself into, like, your role. Like, when did you know, like, all of a sudden, wait, wait I'm going to be, like, halftime running back here uh, throughout the year? Um, it kind of caught me by surprise, not yeah. going to lie. Um, huh. it, it, it started, what, mid-season. Cal came to me. He was like, hey, Debo, we're going to hand you the ball a little bit uh, this week. And then from there on, it just, all right, you get more carries here, more carries here, more carries here. And it just, it just kept growing. Do you have a background of playing running back at all growing up, like the PE or anything? Um, I have a background of being dangerous with the ball <laughs> in my hand. <laughs> but, yeah, I did um, I did play running back growing up. Uh, my last year of uh, high school, I had, like, 900 receiving, 900 rushing. So okay, it, so this was, is yeah. this is status quo right yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But they did know. Yeah. I saw at some point during the season late in the year, Kyle Shanahan talked about how he noticed when they were scouting you that when you have the ball, you – look to deliver yes. the blow before someone delivers it to mandatory. you. Mandatory. Yeah. Why why would you allow somebody to hit you if you can you can take it to them? You can't you can't shy away from contact. And I, I think I learned that from uh growing up my dad was my Pop Warner football coach and one thing he always told me, um, don't allow one person to tackle you and try to put the ball in the box which yeah. meant the end zone. I, I remember Kyle waxing poetically about you coming out of, of South Carolina about how you could snatch the ball out of the air and you were violent after it. I mean now Playing and doing what you did this year, and you're 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 the best receiver in football. I mean that that's me saying that, okay. And I know that other people too. And you're going to get paid for it. But how's your body feel? Like what was the difference this year compared to the other years? Because you certainly took a lot more hits this year. Did I take the hits or did I get the hits? Well, you gave some feel, but I I mean I I do remember a point in the NFC Championship game where you were laying around and stuff. Somebody hit you then. Yeah, somebody hit me yeah. in my chest, but you see, I got right back up. <laughs> you and went, did get went, right back come up. Come on now. All right, all right. So you 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 were good. You, yeah, but uh, you I, don't don't get me wrong. Now it was it was like one or two okay. weeks. I'm like, how? <laughs> hey, um, we might have to your shoulders lay, hurt. We might have that to lay low hurt. this this week on practice so I can be able to go. But right. uh, other than that, like uh, as as time went on, I wasn't as sore. It was like the, the first couple of weeks, I was getting like five plus carries, and I was a little sore. Yeah, you had to get used to it. Yeah, yeah. You got a real passion for the game, though. It's obvious. And it was obvious after that loss. It, it, I was heartbroken to see the emotion. Where that did, did, did that just kind of hit you out of the blue after the the game against the Rams? Um, I just I just um, at at that time when the game was over, I just started thinking about everything. Um, you know, last last year we fell up short. I mean, it didn't even make the playoffs. So I, I started training February. So just think about from February all the way until a week and a half ago. Right. That's that's ten months, ten eleven months of hard work, pain putting yourself through stuff so you can prepare yourself and your body to to go through a season and, and try to have the season that, that you that you want to have, which I did. But I just started thinking about from February until losing that game, how much work, how much 
how hard it took, not just me, but as a team, how right. much it took for us to come from three and five to making yeah, it there and right. then just fall up short. So you have all those things in the back sure. of your head. And then for me, myself, of like all all the stuff that I put on the line to, you know what I'm saying, to kind of help the team get to where we was. Yeah. And it was just all kind of all kind of oh, thoughts yeah. in my head. And now uh, after that, I was thinking about, you know, I haven't seen my son and seen my son since he was born. So right. I was just like, God, I finally get, get to go see my son. But then get to the locker room and, all right, Debo, you have the Pro Bowl. I for, totally forgot all about, about it. So I, yeah. I wasn't going to go until George and George Kittle and Kyle Uschick was like, hey, Debo, it should be a good experience. Yeah, and I was like, God, dog. And then um, I left there and came straight here. So, right. I mean, after this, I'm definitely in daddy mode. All right, good. All right, well, you got to bring in the money, right? I mean, Old Spice is paying you a lot of money. They got a lot of things working here. Oh, so yeah. I'm, I'm pumped about that. And we'll get into that in a second. I wanted to ask you um, – what was I going to ask you? I totally blanked out on my, my question. All right, here, here, I got another question anyways. Shanahan, right? Tell me what it's like playing for Kyle's different than most coaches. Like I'm for sure most or all? Well, from about all of them. Okay. Like, I know the way he is and, the, and his energy and how he motivates guys. Like, shows you clips of old players, does stuff like that, too. Like, kind of like, tell everybody what Kyle's like as a coach. Man, Kyle is amazing. Um, as a, I give you a funny story. As a rookie, uh, we was playing the Cardinals, and I false started. Right. And Kyle acted like the world just ended on me. I was like, whoa. So at one point, I was kind of scared of Kyle when I was a rookie. But as time going on, you know, he's, he's mean well. He want what's best for you and this, that, and the third. But just just to get back to what your question, um, Kyle's just an amazing coach. Um, it took me like a year and a half to really – put everything together in order for me to be the player and play as fast as I want without thinking. Right. So when it comes to, you know what I'm saying, offense, offensive minded, I think he's one of the best. To, I haven't played for anybody else that but does what he does. You see what your offense yeah, gashes yeah, people yeah, all the time. Can well, I follow up one thing? I forgot. I remember, go ahead, my, go ahead. I remember my answer. Go ahead. My, Ask my it before you forget question. it again. Hurry up. You talked about the end of the game. The moment after the game was OBJ coming to talk to you. What was that like? Um, be honest with you, he yeah. was talking to me and I couldn't even pay attention. I was you so, were so caught in your own. Yeah, I was so caught in the moment. But uh, the relationship that I've built with him over over the time was it's, it's been good. Um, I called him later that week. He told me he had shot me a text. He was like, "Hey, bro, I know you kind of didn't remember what I was saying, but you know, what I'm saying we'll chop it up later on in the week." So I called him and you know, what I'm saying he was telling me about how proud he was of all the things that I've done this year, and I kind of started reflecting on him. Uh, with all the stuff that the people say in the media about Odell, this, Odell, dead, he's not a team guy, team player. But after the game, you see what kind of guy he really was. And not just that, but all the work and stuff that he put in this, this offseason, coming back from his ACL, and just I was so proud of how well he came back and how how he's able to help the Rams get right. to where they was. Because like I told him, I said, bro, it just looked like you you back to your normal self. And it was just amazing. And I, and I you know what I'm saying, I told him, like, you you one of the reasons that they're, they're where they're at, even though you know you got the Cooper Cup there. Yeah. But yeah, he, he had, the, he had he to had step to yeah, he had to step in that role right. of, of Woods. And I, th- I think he just did a great job of having that team and just being that guy for him. Yeah. You love football. We love football. But football's still a business. And it's time – for you to let's have see, some I don't think he's a good go salesman. He is a receiver. No, I'm not talking about Old Spice oh. yet. I'm talking about contract. I'm talking oh. about the real oh. business. Oh. Because one of the good things about not being a first round pick is this is it. This is contract year. There's no fifth year option for a guy who was a high second round pick. Ooh. 
The window's open. Ooh, What's your expectation Kyle this offseason? You lots of I'm gonna let I'm gonna let my agent and I'm gonna let Kyle and John handle that. Yeah, no way. I'm gonna get on them too. <laughs> I am, especially now that Kyle didn't even tell you we're friends. Like, screw Kyle. I hope he's gonna pay you 25 million a year. <laughs> You're down for that? Of course. <laughs> All right, tell us about your old spice. Hey man, what yeah. we have here is one of the best smelling body washes that you'll ever use. I'm a big routine guy, so right. when I get up in the morning, you got you got this. You shower, great yeah. shower. And you definitely got this. It's oh, gonna last. You. It's, it's gonna last for forever. So we got the good lavender mint spell right here. Let me smell it. You know, um, you look good, you smell good, you yeah, play good. Right. So it all play a role in it. You know. Mm, I like this. I can get. And women this. love a guy that smell good. So you definitely need to get you some. Okay, I do. Okay. Sure. I hope I smell good for you right now. No, no, no. All right, you I need, don't. You need you some of this. All right, right. so wait. Do you, Old Spice. You do that in the morning. Do you also wake up in the morning with a huge boombox and like? Is that how you start your day? No, no, no. Like nah, you nah, do nah, the I, I, got, I, got, I, got some, I got some nice speakers <laughs> in my trunk. So on the way to work, I'm, I'm bobbing. When do you start getting ready for the next season? You said last year since you didn't make the playoffs you were able to start in february take a little time mm -hmm. and then start really getting it about two ready weeks. about two weeks two weeks yeah you'll start ramping it up again but you let the up. body rest how do you take it, it next it level what's it the next it. level for you next year what's the next level you'll see a better Debo next year yeah there's another, there's another, there's a lot of fuel built up from losing super bowl 2019 getting hurt the previous year making it all the way to the nfc championship falling short so all that's in the back of my head. Is there anything, though, specifically about your game where you just go, man, I want to be a little bit better at this next year? I, mean, uh, I feel like I, 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 I took a step back once I uh, started playing a little bit of running back of route running. Route so running to I just got to get back to to what I was what I was doing right. and, and, and kind of mix a role of, you know, some of uh, running back training a little bit because I know that's something that Kyle would like, would like to keep doing. So right. I, I want to be well prepared. All right. You what impressed me the most is Kyle Shanahan realized when you come to him and say, give me the ball, he knows. That you, give that's him the, the ball. That shows the give trust the in yeah. everything that me and Kyle has built over yeah, It's years. awesome. Right. It's awesome. I'm telling you we're friends. Yep. Yeah, and I'm actually about well, 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 That should tell you something about the friendship. <laughs> Congratulations nice. on, uh, on everything you've done. And right. Keep it up. And thanks for joining us. Good luck with everything you got going on today. Thank too. you. <laughs> You're the man. Yes, sir.